Hello, everyone. Chris Martinson here with another amazing off the cuff for you. Today's guest, personal friend of mine, amazing gentleman. He's got incredible views of the world. And also he's got some incredible things to tell us about financial freedom and about a very, very special type of a retirement account, which I am a um, practitioner of called the EQRP. What is that? We're going to find out about that. Damian Lupo, welcome to the show. So good to be here, Chris. Good to see you. Hey, uh, it's great to have you. I know you were just over in Italy recently and um, taking some much needed time off. Uh, uh, very quickly, tell people about yourself and and um, how it is that you got to a position where where you can you can go and have a good time in in Italy if you want to. Yeah, but you know it's funny because I was over there and everybody told me like they insisted that I needed to go over there and unplug and not be connected. Yeah, sure, my laptop went with me because that's what entrepreneurs do. We we just like. Because we're so obsessed, and I, I think that that's a great way, word to to describe. I get obsessed about the thing that I'm working on because I think we're all programmed to to engage and create as humans and and be part of building we're like ants somehow. And and so that started a long time ago, 25 plus years ago. I started building things, and most of them didn't work. And then something would work, and and so you know, 70 companies later, and all the different projects, I've I've gotten to a point where. I, I've gotten, I'm ex totally bald. So it's either bald or gray. Like you end up with that wisdom. And I think that that means that somebody has built things when they go you know, bald or gray, there's, they've, they've gone mm -hmm. through a lot. And, and ultimately it was, it was a, a, a process of starting off, focusing on building things to make money and then losing everything. And then realizing that there's something beyond just getting a bunch of money, that money is a, is a side effect and that there's that we're here not to go collect money, but to create value, to create something of important significance. And that's that's where I landed today with the work that I'm doing and the people I get to work with. It's about creating value and helping people become free. What was your first company? So the very first one that I remember was when I was 11, I started a, a, a video game exchange company and hired my parents to drive me around buying games from people and then selling them. So it was, it was a wholesale retail thing up in Alaska. And uh, that was just because my parents told me we were broke, couldn't afford Nintendo games. And I said, that's BS. I absolutely disagree. I'm going to find another way because I want to play Super Mario Brothers. And that's, I mean, that's what, what started with. That's where it starts. We start with, with, with products that don't exist that we wish did usually, right? Like there's some need. So you, at 11, you found a way to meet a need, yours, but also other people's, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, and I think that that really goes to what people should be doing is finding pain and helping to alleviate the pain for other people. If you can do that in, I mean, there's a billion things people can do, but if you find pain, there's pain everywhere. And for me, it was pain of Nintendo. And then I realized I could solve other people's pain. And so yeah. there ended up becoming a very real capitalistic exchange of value. And everybody was better off because I was looking to solve the pain. Yeah. Now this is a really important topic because, you know, you know, my personal view, I might be wrong, but I'm not confused. I think there's hard times coming and it's because we've had a mismanaged monetary system. So there's nothing we can do about that. If that breaks mass pain coming for people, but more so for people who are trapped within a single paycheck, if that goes away, their lives fundamentally change. So I really want, Hey, keep earning the paycheck, but please start figuring out those other streams of income. But those are rooted in what you're talking about. It's not go out and find those more dollars. It's find what you're good at, find something you, a pain point, a want, a need, a desire, an emotion that you can help other people with. Um, so, so how would people take us through what's financial freedom? How do you go about being an entrepreneur? Well, I think one of the things that has shifted for me, financial freedom is not, it's not a pile of money and it's not even necessarily cash flow. And I think a lot of people are 
that they have an illusion of that that's brought on by Wall Street's idea that if you have $2 million at, at 60, then you're good because you'll run out of life before you run out of dollars. They have this whole formula. And, and my contention is that that's, that's not true because you'll never be actually, you'll never be free because you'll be, you're always going to be afraid. So if we're just talking about right. the finance piece, you're going to be afraid that you're going to run out of the money. And if, if you don't understand how to create value, then you're not going to feel comfortable in the event that something happens. So you're always going to be playing not to lose. And that's, if, if you ever watch any games, the team that starts playing not to lose usually loses. So we, mm -hmm. we've got it. My, my, my thinking has evolved to the point where if, if somebody's going to be free, they have to build the confidence. And so part of the confidence is, is you're learning how to create value. You're learning how to create money. You're learning how to create connections with other people. And so this is part of what you've been teaching and sharing for years. It's about like the social capital. It's like connecting with people, the mm -hmm. networks where we get to, we grow our confidence muscle. And so, I mean, ultimately that's, that that's what we've spent our time doing is building those type of networks to free people by helping them connect with each other to build that confidence. So the, the freedom piece is very different because people come, they, they show up and they say, well, I want to have $10,000 a month and then I'll be free. And I was like, that's not how it works. And people don't realize that they're, they've been lied to their entire lives about this whole formula. Well, it was, uh, uh, was it Emerson or Thoreau who said we become rich by making our wants few? I mean, there's two aspects to this, right? One is look at all the stuff I need, and the other is how do I not need as much stuff as I've been sold that I need? You know, and it's 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 coming to that balance, which is I guess gets existential, which is actually what makes me happy and fulfilled because that's when I'm talking about financial freedom. It's it's a it's a state of mind where people are fundamentally content and feeling fulfilled. Well, and, and you know, it's interesting when I was in Italy, uh, I hadn't been there in 15 years and I think nothing changed. I mean, they, they're, on the, <laughs> they're on the Euro now instead of the Lira, but it, it was fascinating to go over there. And I think I, you know, other than some gifts that I brought back, the yeah. actual experience of being a consumer, which like after 9-11, the, the message we got was go spend money, that'll fix everything. And I, I remember that yeah. from President Bush and and I'm over in Italy and it's this completely different experience where people are happy connecting. They spend their time connecting and eating together and sharing stories and loving each other. And I'm, I'm going, wait a second, what is happening here in America? We're happy by clicking buy now on Amazon. And like, we keep doing that. And, and so the wants are never ending and they're incessant. And especially with technology, there's a new version of everything every month, it seems like. And so mm -hmm. I, it's very fascinating when you get out of a bubble. And I think most of us are in bubbles, like whether it's in our city, our state, our community, or, and so just getting outside of that and, and having a, a moment to compare and contrast it, it's, and I've been all over the world and it doesn't make any difference. Every time I do it, I'm, I go, Whoa, it's like a wake up. Like I've been a zombie for the last month or year. And, and I, I always find a ton of value in that. And I think that's useful for really everybody to get outside so you can increase your means, you can decrease your wants. There's different options here. And, you know, I'm not saying more stuff isn't fun or cool. I don't know that it brings the happiness that we're all seeking. And the the freedom oftentimes can be the, the pure joy in what you have. Instead of saying more will make me happier, I promise that just having a bunch more money isn't necessarily going to make you happier. In fact, I would, I would contend that oftentimes it makes your life more stressful. Mm-hmm. No, the tyranny of stuff is a real thing too. You know, we, we have a lot of stuff like 
rental, uh, you know, uh, storage units. It's a big business, right? You know, yeah. we have so much stuff. We need to rent places to store it. You know, it's like, and but now you're managing it, and then eventually, what's the this maxim? It begins to manage you. You know, and so yeah, I'm 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 at the point now where I I you know, if my house burned down, I I got to be honest, there'd be a, a small part of me which would feel relief. I'd feel sad at all the great things I lost, my guitars and pictures. There'd be another part and be like, whoo. <laughs> I, I used to I used to talk to my dad about that because he was a huge hoarder. Like there, there's these these shows about the hoarders and people. Yeah, would yeah. Say, yeah, I've seen the shows. I'm like, no, my dad's house was worse when I had to clean it out after he died. It was it was worse. I had to have a hazmat suit to go through it, and oh. I mean it was oh, it was really bad. It was it was brutal. And I I remember asking him with all the stuff that he liked collecting. I said, so what what actually matters? Like if you had to leave and you, your house is on fire what would you take and he, he had he had buried himself energetically with all this stuff and i think a lot of people do that and they they're they're constantly looking ultimately they're looking for a feeling like the feeling of happiness and it's not going to be in the stuff like i tried this with cars in the last couple of years and i i had all these different cars and at one point i had five cars and then I, and I started laughing at myself I'm like why it wasn't even collectible cars i just was looking for something to do and i yeah. and i and people find these different things and they they get addicted to that feeling and they don't even realize that they're burying themselves in the stuff. Yeah, yes. I think uh Cheryl Crow, to quote another song, she she said, um, happiness is wanting what you have, not having what you want. Right? Simple, true. So you know, <laughs> yeah. So so I think that's an important part of the financial uh freedom conversation, which often gets overlooked because people start with, you know, how much dollars do I need? And it's like back up, um, you know, what are you trying to achieve here? And I, I think more and more people are, I'm calling this period of time, it's a great awakening, right? And good, it's good. This is the good side of this because I think we were asleep for a while. I remember pre-COVID, I was in a foreign country and I, it's, I just dawned on me, I'm like, it was just different. It was something was, it took me three or four days to figure out what it was, but there was a lightness to it. I couldn't figure it out. And then I realized that this country wasn't busy marketing fear and ignorance to itself. And that happens here in my country a lot, right? And I'm in particularly in this past year, I've watched this from one outrage to the next, right? It's 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 just like never-ending series of like distractions, but but they're pretty big, right? You know, like COVID shots, Ukraine, masks, Russia. It's just never-ending, right? And and I think at the end of that, it feels like 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 we're we're all like the point guy on the front Humvee on the machine gun in Fallujah, you know, and there's only so long you can stay in like alert mode. <laughs> Just... What it's, it's fascinating. I was, uh, last night I was, I was watching the, the, um, the first presidential de debate and I, I noticed the, from the perspective being in my mid forties and it was like, I was watching the presidential de debate on my birthday, probably the world's weirdest birthday, but, um, Happy I birthday. Was watching yeah, thanks. <laughs> So I was I was watching it, and with the exception of a Vivek Ramaswamy, everybody there was was pitching a different version of fear. It was it was like these are all the terrible things, and he's talking about what we're going towards and and the future and the possibility. And and the only thing mm -hmm. that people could really go after him for was he was young. And I was like, well, you know what? Maybe the people that are older have gotten so used to how they use fear as a tool to manipulate people. That's all they really know anymore. They don't even understand possibility and connecting with people and and we get used to seeing it like you said in every direction so we're we're on the front of our humvee with our m60 constantly concerned about what we have to shoot at or what we have to 
be afraid that's going to shoot at us. And I, I just find it really sad that that's the nature of politics and, and a lot of the leadership that we, it, it feels like that's what you have to do, but people respond to it. I mean, people are constantly, their, their brains are thinking subconsciously, how do we avoid getting eaten or killed or bitten or shot or whatever? And so it's mm -hmm. yeah. marketing, like you said, is uh, it's, it's pervasive and it's, it's unfortunate. And if you're not aware of it, you just get sucked into it. And then you, you live in this life of really a lot less than your potential and you end up buying crap to try to compensate. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree. A lot of compensation points here. So, um, and, and I've been doing a lot to keep myself as, as, um, mentally healthy as I can, you know, I don't drink anymore. Um, nothing to numb me out. Like, I feel like I have to be sharp right now because there's yeah. a lot going on. And, uh, you know, not least of which is, uh, you know, I can chase a lot of this stuff back. Oh, hey, hospitals were busy putting people on ventilators and killing them for a thirty nine thousand dollar kicker from the government like that. Oh, uh, you know, these uh, military industrial companies are busy whooping up like conflict after conflict, Ooh, you know, and all of it, Damien, I chase it back to we have a corrupt money system. Our fiat money is fundamentally corrupt in the sense that they just print it out of thin air. They hand it to insiders preferentially. Next thing you know, a young family can't form because the Fed's jiggered interest rates in a way they can't manage it. And oh, by the way, BlackRock is competing you on a cash basis for that house you're trying to buy and their cost of capital is two points less than yours. Um, so there's just a, it, it's very, uh, that system of money is corrupt and it leads to all sorts of corruptions, but you can read this same dynamic. I, I was at this um, lecture that Simon Black gave. It was just a sovereign man, brilliant. He took a paragraph from Will Durant's history book from like, I think it was like 300 BC Athens. And they just finished debasing their currency and it read just like today. Exactly. You know, sounded like Wall Street. It sounded like your best and brightest going off to, you know, speculate and not build and not, it's just, it was all fluff, you know? Well, I, human, humans do the same things. So it's really funny. Like our psychology, if you, it, I, I find this fascinating how, I, so I'll see something on the internet and I get excited and I'm, and I'm things kick in emotion, psychology that's, that's triggered. And we do the same things. We're fairly predictable. I was, I was talking to an attorney yesterday. I was, uh, I was at a closing and, and he was in his, I think he was 70. And he, we were talking about the number of cycles and recessions we'd been through and he'd been through a few more. And I think it was literally three more than I had. And, and I said, yeah, it's the same thing over and over again, whether it's the last 50 years or 500 years, because humans, especially at a psychological level, we don't really evolve. We just basically have the same emotions and psychology, the same fears, the needs. It's just, you know, technology changes, but it's it's the same stuff over and over again. So yeah, the, the money thing, and I think that that comes down to people wanting to control out of a lack of, of confidence or they, they there's a fear. And, and ultimately money is a great way to manipulate people, especially if you control it at the top, like the black rocks and, and the wall streets and the, the Rothschilds and the banks. And so it's, it's not new. Like, it's really funny that you're, you're seeing this stuff from hundreds of years ago. And, but I mean, we, we pretty much can predict the future. What's the old saying, if you want to figure out the future, just go farther back in time and look mm -hmm. back, see the future coming. You just have to go backwards further. Yeah, I think this gets lost all the time. I have to remind myself too, which is that no, humans have not evolved in the last 5,000 years, which is about as much history as we actually have record of because that's where the written words sort of started. But when we look back, it's the same stories over and over again, you know. Only well, the technology has gotten better and it can manipulate us faster so we can get to the conclusion quicker. So, you know, but it's it's definitely a foot right now and um 
And so I, I do worry. Um, well, let's get your outlook on this. I, my my fundamental belief system is that we've gotten so far over the tips of our debt-based skis from an economic standpoint that there's no deflation is not an option. I mean, it could happen and it would be very bad, but it's not. If it happens, it's only because something got badly out of their control. Um, their preferred option, of course, which they talk about endlessly, is it 2% inflation, 3%? What pace are we going to steal from you at? Because that's what it is. Um, so I think that gets out of control. I see more inflation coming first. What do you see You know, economically? What, what's How do you read this? Well, it, I remember about eight, nine years ago, I thought, things are over. I was in Austin. Things are overinflated and we're going to have this crazy meltdown. And and then almost a decade later, I'm, we're in the middle of, of the COVID thing and I'm watching things continue to go up and I'm going, all right, how can I be this wrong? And really what, it, what dawned on me is that there's an unlimited amount of manipulation that can happen. So like one of the, the roads we can go down that we may end up dealing with is like a centralized central bank digital currency. And if that were to happen, you have you have unlimited manipulation with zero transparency because it's a controlled space. You can, I mean, it, I, I look at what's possible that I can even imagine. And and so what makes rational sense, I'm I'm kind of throwing out the window. So at this point, anything is possible. Could we have mass, massive deflation? Yeah. Could we also have inc incredible inflation? Any of these things is I what I what we can count on is that these powers are going to never be satisfied. The powers that be, they're going to they're going to be hungry for more power and more control and more manipulation. So, I the, the way I used to be really at one point I had like ninety percent of my net worth in gold. So I, I, I was like a total pirate. I was Johnny Depp before Johnny Depp was Johnny Depp, and like I had the pirate bounty right. It was, it was also overdoing it. It was kind of like in my 20s when I was Mr. Optimist, I had no pessimistic, no pragmatic thinking. It was everything was blue sky and everything was going to be good. Then I lost 25 million and was homeless and everything was going to be bad and the whole world was collapsing. Kind of was, but it, I, what I've realized is that the the mastery of mindset and and the ability to be clean and clear is the ability to not ebb and flow with the emotions. So I'm more even keeled whether things are good or bad, you know, quote unquote, whether I'm making money or losing money or, or things happen in life, I'm, I'm more flat. And I'm, and part of that is that I'm okay with e inflation or deflation because I have strategies around both of them. So that's, I'm getting at the, the idea here is it's something is going to happen because it's not sustainable. I don't know if that's a month or if that's a year or five years, I, I feel really good about what I'm doing to prepare for the inevitability of a change, just like the, the BRICS meeting that just wrapped up where Iran and Saudi Arabia are now part of BRICS and the petrodollar is likely going off into, you know, gone. It's, it's a matter of time where this happens after what the U.S. did with, with Russia and the whole world said, wait a second, you know what? The U.S. can just screw anybody at will. Um, this is not, this is a problem. I, those kind of the consequences of that, I think, are are going to be massive. And we thought there was a possibility of a gold backed currency that would be announced on the 22nd. Didn't happen. I think it's there's something brewing, though. And so something is happening. And so I'm just making sure that I'm prepared with the different strategies for ups and downs, lefts and right, sideways. It's like a trader. Traders, traders in the stock market or in, in any type of market they don't really care what happens because they're making profits all the way along. And if we can find happiness 
and fulfillment and success, no matter what's going on, like relationships, it doesn't matter if the stock market crashes. If you, if you have your spouse and you love spending time together, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. We're having so much fun on a walk. Like you have to start realizing that if you're impacted on everything externally, your life is going to be miserable hundred percent of the time. I totally agree. You know, there's nothing I can do about the federal reserves uh, desire to print, but I can decide to own forest land and gold and have a farm and uh, have, you know, good friends and, you know, whatever. So I, I like that. It, it sounds, sounds very, um sounds very uh, Eastern philosophy of you. Yeah. It, I, I think there's a missing element of that for most people. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of happiness. And I, I, when I was over in Tibet a number of years ago, I remember seeing these, these monks just doing their thing and their thing was really simple. There wasn't a whole lot going on except it was everything that was needed. And mm -hmm. I, I thought, huh. And then you go back to the States and, and so I, I you know, the, there's a, a chapter in my book that I wrote in 2012 on the other side of losing everything and being homeless. And, and it was, it was the chapter on simplicity, like the simplicity of life, I think is where the most joy and happiness is, is found. And ultimately, what are we looking for? Unless we're a sociopath, we're looking for happiness. And, I, mm -hmm. and people miss that because they're they've overly complicated. And then they're trying to figure out how more is going to make them better. Well, more is more, more. Like, I, you know, I think about this with, with the idea of, of a ranch, of how I've had this dream to have a ranch. And I've started asking myself, what's better? An acre, a thousand acres, a million acres? Like what's going to make me happier? What's going to be a better experience, a, a more pure, more important experience? And it's it's funny because we've been trained that more is better, like with everything. And it's I don't I I don't think that that's true. Mm, I don't either. And and um, my partner Evie and I we're really standardizing as much as we can around beauty. Yeah. You know that that I I noticed that you know um you know, people like, oh, you know, the hard times are coming. We have to protect what we have. There's sort of, that's a, a, a strain of, of prepping. And, and my position on that is, well, then it better be beautiful because people yes. won't defend the, the, the pedestrian. They won't, I mean, stuff is not worth defending, right? But beauty is, right? There has to be that living, breathing heart of something, which probably you saw in Italy, like the, they, they, they built, humans have always, when they've settled down into an intact culture, and I don't care if we're talking China, Tibet, Italy, Spain, they build beautiful things, you know, that's something I will judge. My country does a bad job at is building beautiful things. It's, it's true. You know, what we're really good at is building disposable things. Yes, we are. Fabulous. <laughs> top of the top of the heat. Number one. <laughs> we're good at making landfills to, to deal with all the disposableness. And uh, a, a dear friend of mine that talked about building his home and you and Evie have, have been doing this. Uh, years ago, he he had some prosperity financially and decided to build a, a compound of sorts. And he, one of the things he focused a lot of energy on was living, breathing things, all the all the green and the gardens. And he said one of the coolest things with gardens, unlike things that we build like houses and that are constantly breaking, he said one of the beautiful things about gardens is that they get more beautiful over time. Like when you're in in alignment with nature and you nurture mm -hmm. things, they just keep getting more beautiful. And I. And that really stuck with me because we we tend to be trying to keep things from breaking apart instead of realizing that maybe if we were more in line with nature and the universe, that, we, that it would conspire with us instead of us having to fight with it. Yeah, it's a very permaculture principle, which which is really uh, it's taken me decades to sort of fully internalize. But it's it's very simple. Like I'm a really good gardener, 
and it's super simple. I just tend to the soil and the, you know, and soil just smells amazing when it's amazing and kind of sterile when it's not. And so if you just make the soil amazing, the rest all sorts itself out. It's ridiculously complicated. I don't know what it's up to, but you know, it's, it's as simple as that. Right. And so my personal metric is abundance, right? I get, I get joy out of watching all the new insects that are showing up in different bird species. Cause that means I've done something right with the soil. Those are just, those are the key markers that mean the core thing I'm doing is, is on track, you know? But I think that that's the same cultivation aspect that we're talking about here, whether it's entrepreneurship or, you know, whatever you're doing out there in the world is, is find that thing that if you can move that one piece, if you do that well, all the rest springs from that. So I loved how you put it. The money and success I've achieved in life is a derivative of the fact that I'm doing the rest of it well. It, it really does come down to that. It's, it's when at, at the company here at EQRP, we, we spent a lot of time figuring out how we create more and more. So it's, it's the idea of ephemeralization, doing more and more with less and less. And so giving more and more so that people are constantly going, wow, I just feel like I'm just being loved. And one of the things we d- developed was the, the map, the millionaire action plan to give people investment strategies. And it's fascinating because a lot of times all we're doing is reflecting back what they, to them, what's there. And they don't even realize it. It's like they, they already have this, they already have this freedom where they have, they have, and they don't even realize what they have. They're, you know, their people are so busy moving around or chasing things or going through motions and, and, and oftentimes if we, if we sit still for a minute, like when I sit still and I look around, I see a team of 20 people that are some of my best friends and my family. And, and when you bring those people together, it's like this beautiful soil that smells delicious. Like you just being around people and what's possible when you, like you said, all this complicated stuff, like there's complicated stuff. People are doing things. They're creating things. They're, they're serving and supporting our community. And I'm, I'm doing something else. It's all happening. It's like this ecosystem. It's like the yard. It's now in my case, I have armadillos that try to tear up my yard. I don't know how they support my ecosystem, but it's, they're part of it somehow. And Mm -hmm. and I I just, I love when things are in harmony and that's ultimately, I think that's where we're all trying to get to is harmony where there's, it's a lack of conflict. It doesn't mean that there's not violence. It doesn't mean that things don't burn. It doesn't mean that things don't freeze. There's harmony amongst things with seasons and flow. And 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 a lot of that, Chris, I think just has to do with letting go and being present enough to acknowledge what's really happening. Well, it's showing up for, for your own life. That's awesome. I, I love the philosophy. And I know we've um, this is going to be quite the pivot, but uh, how do we go from that philosophy to, Damien, let's talk about what is an EQRP? Because, I, I mean, I can tell people, but uh, my own na- narrow version of it, they need to hear it from you instead. What is an EQRP? It's it, And uh, and let's start on that conversation. Because I think a lot of people have a question about, what do I do with my retirement savings? It's a huge question, actually. So let's go there. Well, and, and yes, let's let's start with the, the retirement space and the idea of retirement was was really this core piece of us being able to not have to work until we dropped dead. And and so people started like years ago back in the early 20th century, people started developing pensions and they were you know, they, most people just literally died at home with their families and there wasn't a whole lot there other than maybe the family farm. And ultimately when we went into a more of a mechanized industrial space, people started saying, "Okay, well I don't want to do this this thing forever." 
So pensions started being developed and then that became a burden for, for companies. And we shifted into a place where people are now responsible with their 401ks and their IRAs to support themselves after they quit working and being productive. So what, what the problem with this whole system is that people said, oh, cool, I have this retirement account. And, and then all of a sudden they stop working and they have no idea what to do. And so people have this pile that's supposed to nurture them and, and support them. And they're literally stuck hoping that Wall Street will protect them and serve them. And, and so most people have their 401ks, their IRAs inside the Wall Street system. And, and when I, back a decade ago, when I watched my dad coming to the end of his life, I, I was watching him running out of money. He played, he played by the rules. He was in the military, did all these things that were, you know, inside the system. And he, he basically was at a place where he didn't have any resources because the system ate him. And most people are being eaten by the system. They're being feed, they're being inflated, and they don't understand money. They don't understand how to invest. And EQRP represents the opposite of that. It represents, and it is a system where you get to control and drive your future, your prosperity, your freedom by controlling your money and controlling your investments and not being beholden to Wall Street. So people come to the EQRP and they say, I don't trust Wall Street. I don't feel comfortable. And we say, great, what do you feel comfortable with? And they say, well, I, I like gold. I like I like apartments. I like maybe I like Bitcoin, whatever they feel comfortable. There's a harmony with what they like, but they've been told they have to do these mutual funds that they don't like. They feel very unsettled about. So the EQRP is, is a type of retirement account that gives people the ability to take control of their money their, and, and invest it how they see fit that, that's best for them. Because you know, I, I've, I've met with so many financial advisors and known so many of them, and they're trained to do one thing, keep your money captive, stuck in a system that they can fee until death and really hopefully beyond that into the next generation. And, and I don't I don't think that that's really the best plan for most people that want to be financially free. It's, it's the best plan for most people because quite frankly, most people don't want to do the work. Like I've, I've, I've recently come up with this idea that I don't believe in passive income anymore. I, I don't think that it's true. I think that mm -hmm. there's always activity involved and required. Where the, even if you have a bank account, you have to choose the bank and go sign documents. That might be 15 minutes, but there's activity. There's nothing passive. You don't just have money rain down on you. It, it, so there's people have to understand active. We've been trained to be passive investors by, by handing our money over to these advisors and these systems. And then we were like children. And so EQRP is, is really a place for adults to come together and get stronger together and be freer together. And so it's, it's built on that with a lot of trust in people, not telling people what they have to do or, or what they're, they should do, but here's what you can do. And we're here to support you on your journey. So an EQRP then is a, is a self-directed uh, 401k of some kind, right? That's right. So people, people are, are directing their own investments, right? Um, recently there was a, a court case where, where I heard, you know, they said, oh, these things, these, these checkbook IRAs are, are no bueno. Um, there was a case. How is this, how do we separate that out? Yeah. So for years and years, IRAs, the, the self-directed IRA space was really the place if, if somebody had retirement money and they wanted to have control and do uh, maybe real estate or, or something, that was really what started that industry. People were like, I want to do real estate stuff. And so the self-directed IRAs became this option. And so people were, were using that tool for their retirement account and they were abusing it. 
they were doing things, they were self-dealing, they were, they were buying things like they were buying a house and then they were using the house as a vacation house. They were, people would, they would basically break the rules and they were getting away with mm -hmm. it. And finally the IRS came after somebody and said, uh, you can't do what you've been doing. And somebody went and bought a bunch of gold for their IRA and took it home. And it's totally explicitly banned in the code, in the IRS code. And the court said, uh, no, you can't do it. And here's your penalty. And it was hundreds of thousands of dollars for less than a million dollar account. And that was in penalties and fines and fees and everything. So what that did, the, the judge in the case said, and this is the McNulty case, said, you can't control your stuff with your IRA. You can't have a checkbook LLC where you get to be in charge of everything because you're basically negating the requirement of, of a custodian. So people said, oh, crap. And, and what, what's happened is people have been migrating from the IRAs over into an EQRP because you actually specifically and explicitly have the ability inside the tax code to run and control your money as the trustee of the, of the 401k. So the IRAs, and it, what's crazy, Chris, is that a lot of, a lot of companies and there's some banks out there that are ignoring the case and saying it doesn't really matter and nobody will find out. And we're watching that. And that's, it's another example of institutions thinking about themselves and not their not their who they should be a fiduciary for and protect their clients. So unfortunately, a lot of people don't even know that, that what you just said has happened. Uh, it did happen a year and a half ago. And and uh, EQRP solves it because it's the code is written a certain way that gives people the ability to do what they can't do with an IRA anymore. Yeah. And there's um what what I think I heard this from you that that what's kind of interesting about the language in this space is that um that the 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 IRS tell me if I have this right explicitly tells you what you can't do, which is weird because usually they they have a long list of things you can do and what you can't do is a little vague. But here they flipped that and said here are a few things you can't do, right? And so direct ownership and benefit being the direct beneficiary of things like a house, for instance, right? No vertical direct beneficiary, right? Can't have your grandparents living in it. Can't have your son or daughter living in it. You can't live in it, but aunts and uncles can, right? So, yeah, right? did I get that right? You totally did. There, it's very confusing to most people because it's the opposite of, of how they're used to be, things being. But yeah, they they basically just tell you here's the things you can't do and anything else. People will say, "Well, can I do this?" And I'll, and I'll say, "Yeah." And they'll say, "How do you know? Where is it in the code?" And I say, "That's not how the code works. The code tells you what you can't invest in. You can invest with your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, but you can't do it with your kids or your parents." And they say, "Okay." And then they ask me, can I do this? And I say, again, it's yes, because it's not banned. And it, it's just a, it's kind of a funny code. And and I mean, but you know, that's, it's also the IRS. So a lot of things are funny about that. Yeah. So, um, so I know my own process, I, I had a, I had a variety of legacy IRAs, 401ks, dribs and drabs from, from when I did have a, a work experience out there in the other world, et cetera, and so forth. I just consolidated and rolled them all and, and parked them into this thing. Um, it, so take people through the process if somebody wanted to move from a, a traditional, uh, you know, 401k IRA process into an EQRP. What's what's involved? So the process is we, we we set up this this plan, the EQRP plan, and and so there's an application. We we do this over the phone. It takes about ten minutes, uh, and then we build everything and we set up a bank account and then we we go through the process with wherever the money is at, whether it's Fidelity or an IRA company. And we, we actually end up on the phone with our, our members and the community, whoever's setting this up. And we're on the phone with the custodians, sometimes for hours at a time. And we're there and we get all these assets consolidated into one place, which is your checkbook. 
And so you, at that point, this takes usually takes about a week to do everything to get the, the assets rolled over. Sometimes longer if somebody's really holding on to them, doesn't want to give them to you. And so within a week, you've got everything in your control. And at that point, you've got a checkbook, the ability to invest. And then really at that point, people are, they're buying gold, taking it home, holding it. Um, they're, they're investing in, in the things, you know, the, the land, the, the real estate. And, and at that point, everything is simplified. It's in somebody's hands. It's in their control. In your case, you don't have orphan accounts all over the place. You're, you're narrowed down mm -hmm. and we're back to simplification. It's clean. It's clear. It's in your control. And then that's really the process after that. It's about us supporting. So if somebody says, okay, I've got my assets. Now what? Well, we do all the compliance part. As you've experienced, we, we take care of, of prepping things that need to be filed with the IRS. We do that stuff. And then we're here. Like one of the things that we're noticing, and most people are seeing this, most companies are finding as much as they can to automate and get rid of humans. And what we're doing is we're finding ways to be more human. And so we're going the opposite direction. It's, it's yeah. more connected and, and serving people. So you've always, and people have that, that human element, they call and there's a human on the other end. It's not chat GPT. So that I think that's really useful for people. Yeah. The, the only things that I, uh, this is, you know, a recommendation and I'm recommending it because I use it. The only things I ever advise or recommend for people are things that I've used myself, period. Um, full stop. It's just how I roll. And, uh, and my number one determinant in a place like this is is the the level of human engagement, customer service. Nothing nothing is more important than that in a in this space for me, because um, yeah, it's it's complicated and there's things to get right and you don't want to get those, these things wrong. So everything's been right and easy. It's actually been fairly e really ridiculously easy. And just so people know, I I own forest land in my 401k now that I walked it. And then I went to the closing and I wrote a check out of my checkbook and bought it. And that was, that was it. That's, that's the whole process, but it, it belongs to my, my EQRP owns, owns some land right up the hill. It's very nice. <laughs> Cause it's, I believe in trees. I, I got this whole story, but I believe in trees. <laughs> well, and it, and it, what's cool is that you didn't have to go get permission from a financial advisor or have somebody tell you that you're stupid for doing it. You literally said, I believe in this and you wrote a check and that's, yep. That's one of the beauties of this. It actually puts the power and control in your hands. And it's, um, you, you, you decide. I, 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 I firmly believe that nobody is going to protect and care about your money more than you. And, and so, and nobody knows better than, than you. People can say, well, I don't really understand money or things. I'm like, yeah, you can learn and you're going to care about it more than the person that's getting one or 2% of it every year. Like I promise it's going to matter more to you than it does to them. If it goes away, you're going to really care. They're going to be maybe annoyed if they notice. So I, I, I just love hearing, I love hearing stories like that, where, where like the experience of what you did was very personal and, and, and you were the one driving it. It was, it was nobody else telling you like nanny stating you around your retirement money. Yeah. I'd be surprised if you didn't get a couple of customers off of that. Cause, cause the closing lawyer was like, what's happening. So I had to explain the whole process. You know, and uh, people were fascinated. You know, you can do that. Like, yes, you yes, you can. And and to that point, though, just to be clear, um, you know, the part of my due diligence in this was and you sent me all the stuff. Uh, your company does this for everybody is that here are the court cases right here. Like this has been run up and down the flagpole. Right. So can you just tell people like that? This is that this isn't like a, a one of those um, Wesley Snipes dads, you know, uh, <laughs> Wesley crevices. But <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, it, 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 that's a it, it's a great point and question. There's a lot of stuff out there 
And I've heard this in a lot of different masterminds over the last few years, people coming up with these harebrained schemes and they, and they say, oh yeah, it's, this is how it is. And I'm like, and I talked to uh, our tax strategist, uh, Tim Gertz, a lot about this and, and he'll, he'll share with me these different things that are out there, these, these things that are literally scams that people have come up with. And he'll ask for documentation and people just don't want to give it. They're like, well, you're just, you just don't get it. And I always laugh. And so mm-hmm. somebody says, well, I haven't heard of an EQRP before. Um, can you share? And I'm like, yeah, well, literally I wrote a book 10 years ago. I updated every year and it's, it's all, it's just tax code in human language. Like it's, it's what you, how to use it, what the rules are. And then it's, it's all the yeah. reference to the tax code. So it's, I, you know, I didn't make this up. I didn't make up the 401k. What I did is, is get it really clear and clean so that people can use it instead of being used by it, which is what Wall Street does. It uses it to like beat on you and, and extract as much value. Like CJ Hopkins talks about extracting all the value out of units, you know, of, of humans. And, and mm-hmm. instead, um, this is, this is something that's been around a long time. It just wasn't promoted because it wasn't in the best interest of the system. The system wants to keep you trapped. This wants to keep you free. So it's, it's like mm-hmm. opposite. Yeah. And so this is a, a, one of the pie wedge strategies that, that I'm operating because A, I have trust issues when it comes to Wall Street, right? Uh, B, I, I like being in control because, you know, I, I love, I'm that kind of person. I love directing my own things. Um, and, and so this is, but, but I do believe in that element of being able to be in control. I can be nimble with it. Right. So it's kind of interesting, you know, when, when it was, I did, I had fragments, you know, of fidelity, they were around trying to like get a hold of somebody or execute. Sometimes it would take a week just to do something like get me out of this fund into that fund. And that's just not quick enough in today's world sometimes, you know, so. We, that, that's one of the things that people really appreciate is, is the ability to do things without friction. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things people will do is is we have people that invest in in metals and uh, sometimes they'll take them and they'll hold them. Sometimes they'll they'll have them in a vault. And what's what has been fascinating for people is they're finding when they end up maybe trading some of their metals for land or they do some they do a transaction, they're finding that their their metals that they've bought using their retirement account are more liquid than their stocks because they're used to having this two or three day settlement period and then getting a wire from Fidelity or whatever. And, and then in some cases, people have, have had the ability to move metals into cash to exchange for something else. And it's taken a matter of hours for them to actually mm-hmm. have resources. So you, you realize that the system, it's kind of like the difference between sending Bitcoin between the US and Europe and trying to do a, an international wire. Like one takes 10 minutes and one can take you know 10 days. So mm-hmm. part, part of the philosophy here is find ways to remove friction from people's lives and and they'll it's a better experience of life. So we're we're, fi- we're constantly asking people how can we make your life easier? How how can we take the problems away and and systemize it and, and just clean it up? And I think the the system is trying to do the opposite. It's trying to keep you so confused and exhausted that you give up. Well, great. Yeah, no, I I totally get it. And and they do they overcomplicate it. Too much jargon. Oh, don't worry your pretty little head. You could never understand. You know all this stuff. And and they they do that on purpose. But it's. It's actually pretty simple. I think it's that lunch scene from Wolf of Wall Street with Matthew McConaughey and and Leonardo, right? Uh, where he's like, we go home with cash in our pockets every day. We keep them fully invested. That's the whole game. <laughs> it, it it really is. It's it's fascinating if you were like I, one of the questions I've always asked people when they're dealing with whether it's a financial advisor or somebody that's selling life insurance. I, I would say, you know, if that person's selling you something, ask them, ask them to show you their balance sheet. 
ask them to show yeah. you how are you making money? Is it just off of me? Like, or are you actually an investor? Like, what's reality here? Because people like there's that thing about Wall Street where it's the only place in the world where people in um in in Rolls Royces drive up to get advice from people that took the subway. Like, okay, how does this make any sense? And yet yeah. we've been trained to do these irrational things, like talk to people yeah. that we why would you talk to somebody that's broke and ask them for money advice? Like that's and that's what most people do in different forms. So I think we have to check ourselves a little bit here and 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 say, okay, are we doing a rational thing or are we just doing the thing because we were supposed to do it because mom and dad did it or or the advertising told us to? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's insane. So how many, uh, roughly, how many of these EQRPs are, are out there in the world because of your company now? So there's several thousand. Uh, we, we crossed over 3,000 uh, that, that have been established uh, for individuals and companies around the United States. Uh, we're in a number mm -hmm. of different countries too. People, expats that live overseas that that want to control their money. A lot of people take their retirement money and they invest in in land in, uh, overseas, which is also an interesting hedge for hmm. turbulent times because there is no way that a a chunk of land in Costa Rica is going to be seized by any government outside of Costa Rica. Like it's just not going to happen. So people like that. They they like the ability to uh, to, to move their stuff around and, and themselves included hmm. with their passports and such. So we, and then there's different forms of self-directed. There's literally hundreds of thousands. So sometimes people say, well, if this is not new, are there that many people? Is 3000 enough? It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good chunk. And then there are people that have different versions of self-directed type of retirement accounts, literally hundreds of thousands of them. So this is not a new space. It's just not the most common thing. Most common thing is mm -hmm. Fidelity or Vanguard or 50 different ones have different pieces and I'm too confused to do something. And so I just focus on my life and that becomes an afterthought. It can actually be a gateway to your freedom if, if you use it. Excellent. Excellent. So how can people um, find out more about this, find your book maybe, and and uh, check out more if they're interested in following up, where do they go? Uh, EQRP.com. Super simple. Get get a copy of the book or the or the summary, the key points of the book at, at the website and you can download it and and people always say, well, should I do this? Or what's the, what, what do I do? And, and my, my suggestion is, I don't know what you should do, what other than you should become educated and then make the best decision for you. And, and we're, I mean, the, the, the people here are here to see if there's a good fit. And oftentimes it's, you know what, here's, here's another thing that would actually be, we, we don't sell it, we don't offer it, but here's what we're hearing from you. So our job is to reflect back. And if this happens to be a, a good fit, then we can, we can do that. Uh, but I always think that somebody that's more educated is is in a better position to make it a choice. And so that's what EQRP is. It's it's an education and empowerment company more than anything. And we just happen to have a tool that fits if it fits. So go into the website, eqrp.com. You can bounce around, check things out and, and get a copy of the book and, and the summary and, and see if it's something that you want to pursue. Exactly. Uh, thank you for that. I think anybody who is interested in this at all deserves, owes it to themselves just to look into it and, and see if it's a good fit. For me, it was a good fit. Um, I like it. So wanted to let other people know about it. So Damien, thank you so much for uh, your time today and, and for running that amazing business there. And I know you've got other businesses. We're just talking about one of them, but great job uh, with EQRP. I appreciate that. It's, it's always fun to share it. And, and you know what? The best thing about this is, is hearing the stories, the actual humans. So like if, 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 if mm -hmm. I was Jeff Bezos and I owned Amazon or a big chunk of it and people were buying widgets... I don't know that there'd be a whole lot of stories that'd be that interesting, but the cool part about having a very human centric direct to consumer 
um, company is that we get to we get to hear the stories of people's lives where they they had the ability to start living differently. They were able to stop working. They were to spend, able to spend time with kids. They found the seed capital for the, the company that they wanted to start. Like all these things that we hear, people that actually realize that somebody cares about them. A lot of people are, are really stuck or they're they're very alone. And and it, it's, it's fun, especially because we have such a, a relationship-based cohesive environment here. And then people feel that when they're, they're part of our community. And so it's I love that that we can do that and do it in a, in the finance space, which is really void of of relationships for the most part of any substance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, speaking of substance, this is going to close out the public part of this. Uh, Damien and I are going to continue this conversation. We're going to be talking at um, further about things that are of great substance. We're going to talk about the state of the world, where we really think things are going. Uh, as you know, I have a a, a bit of a a dancing act I have to do out in public these days because I do not live in the free fair country I thought I lived in. I live in a highly censored environment. So we do what we can out in public, but of course we have our unplugged acoustic edition going on uh, behind the scenes when uh, we continue over at Peak Prosperity. So if you like this, follow over. We're going to have a continued great conversation. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you back over at Peak Prosperity.